Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Well, we have been in a series called The Proving Ground. If you've not been here, let me just see your hand. If you've not said, oh, I'm not, okay. You, some people won't, okay, I'm good. Um, is, um, but we've been in a series called The Proving Ground. And I want to, before I jump into it, the premise or the foundation is very simply this, is that God wants to bless my life and he's promised to bless my life. Yes. Thank you, honey. I'm going to try that again. Um, you know, when your wife is the only one that responds to you, it ain't good. It ain't good. Look, online, you can respond as well. Okay. God, the premise and the foundation of this whole Proving Ground series is that God wants to bless me, and he's promised to bless my life. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I want to read just a couple of scriptures. We could go Old Testament and New Testament. I mean, 3 John uh, 2 says God desires that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. But in Psalms 84 verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory, and the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I like that. God is not a withholder. Some people act like God's withholding. No, God is not a withholder. In Psalms 23, it says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I like that. God doesn't take a day off. God doesn't say, Hey, this is my day of rest. I'm not pursuing you. You're not going to walk in my, you're not going to experience it. God's like, Every day of your life, I want you to know that my goodness and my unfailing love are pursuing you. And then he said, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And so what we've done is we've talked about that, that in this series of the proving ground is that God will allow and even lead us to go through certain tests that develop and prove our, our capacity to handle his favor and his blessing on our life. Have you ever been around somebody and, um, and from a natural standpoint, you looked and said, oh my gosh, they just got blessed, but it wasn't a blessing in their life because they couldn't handle it. How many of you know what I'm saying? Something came in, they say that about lottery winners. I've, I've read some, uh, some testimonials about lottery winners and they said the worst thing that ever happened to me was winning the lottery. And, and, but the reason not was it wasn't because of what they got, but it was because of their capacity to handle what they got. And so realize this, that God loves us. And as we've talked about that God wants to bless us, he will, he will lead us and allow us to go through various tests and certain trials in our life that develop and prove our capacity to handle that favor and that blessing in our life. He does it, and, and the reason is, is what he is so that when he blesses our life, what he intends to be a blessing, it doesn't mess us up. 
It doesn't mess up our life. And he's a good parent. And that's what God, that's what God does. And we found out that this is a pattern both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We found out that he did it with the apostle Paul. He even did it with Jesus. Jesus never sinned. He never made a mistake. But the Bible says after John the Baptist baptized him, um, literally starting his ministry, that the very first thing that happened is it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested. You can see it in Matthew 4 and also in Luke 4. It is a pattern. And what we what we have to realize is that God is not, he, he, if you've got a, a view of God that he won't allow you to go through a test and he won't allow you to go through a trial, you're going to live discouraged and disillusioned in your life. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease, but I'm talking about certain tests and certain trials that develop our character in order to handle what he's got for our life. Proverbs 17.3, and this is a foundation scripture that we've been building on. It says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord, he tests the heart. He tests the heart. That's what God does. We found out in James 1 that God wants us to have a different view of tests and trials than only seeing them natural and based on comfort in our life. He wants me to see them differently because let's be honest, nobody likes tests and trials. Are we? If you like tests and trials and you're just like, I love tests and trials, you need therapy or medication. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't look at it, but we've got to have a perspective of tests and trials that are from above my relationship with God versus only seeing them as natural and the discomfort that they bring in my life. And so we identified nine different tests that God will allow and even lead me through in order to develop and to grow my capacity for living in his best. And I want to, you know, when you say this, and I want to be, I just want to be really, really clear is, you know, whenever you start talking about the blessing of the Lord and you start talking about God wants to promote me and you start talking about all of those things which are absolutely biblical, realize though there's a huge difference between the way God does it and the way the world does it. The way God does it, if you look, is a difference between God promoting and the world's promotion is that God's promotion is from the inside out. The world's promotion is from the outside in. When it's from the inside out, out, I can handle whatever comes into my life. But when it's from the outside in, there's a problem that maybe my character or my capacity can't handle it. And so what God always starts is with my inside being healthy so that I can handle his blessing on my life. You know, when my wife and I decided to have children, we thought we knew what it was all about. And so, and you know, if you were to ask us, we were experts before we had children. Or, well, let me put it this way. We read a bunch of books. How many of you know what I'm saying? Then we had one and we're like, what in the flip is going on? How many of you know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, now God was stretching us. He was stretching. But before we were like, how many of you know it would have been, we have four children, but it would have been detrimental to us had my wife gotten pregnant and had quadruplets. How many of you know what I'm saying? 
I mean, don't wish that you know, she would have just been like, oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying? See, and so what God does is he starts with our inside. And all nine of these tests are inside. For some of you that don't know me, I was raised in California and I was not raised knowing the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. And before I came to know the Lord, my parents, I graduated from high school and when I was in my senior year of high school, they told me, you have to take another science class. And I didn't want to take a science class. But there was at my high school, Edison High School in Huntington Beach, they, they had what was called horticulture, a horticulture class that you would actually get to. Um, you know, you, I didn't realize that, oh my gosh, you got to memorize all this stuff. You got to do all this stuff. But I liked horticulture. And my horticulture teacher, his name was Mr. Hoyland, and he would buy snails from us. He loved snails. He was half Asian. And so what he would do is they had to be an inch or bigger. And then he would, he would pay you a nickel for every inch or bigger snail that you brought to him. Now, how many of y'all know? I'm just like, holy cow. But he would take them home and he would cook them and whatever, whatever. But it, what, the only really thing that I really liked doing when I graduated from high school was I liked horticulture. And so my parents looked at me and they're like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And they said, we think you should go to school for horticulture. And then they told me that they were moving from Huntington Beach to Texas. And by the way, there just happens to be this school that's only 20 miles away that specializes in horticulture. And so they moved to central Texas. And, uh, and I remember that when I got there, I'm like, I'm going to plant a garden. So I went out and I, I rototilled and did what everything. And I'm like, man, this soil is the weirdest looking soil I have ever seen. It's like a gray green with almost all rocks. And I remember I planted it and I go and I go over to the local store and I buy the seeds and then I go in and they got all these seedlings and they can tell you the reviews and they're like, oh, these tomatoes will be, you know, a minimum of eight ounces each and they will be sweet and this and this and this. And I planted them, I watered them, I fertilized them, I did everything that I absolutely knew to do to those things and I'm just going to tell you and I don't want to sound harsh, but they were liars. How many of you know what I'm saying? I found that the only thing that you could grow in this soil was okra. It was the only thing. Who likes okra? Come on. Who likes pickled? Okay, look. Who likes canned okra? Oh, canned okra is the closest thing to baby snot you will ever see. But fried okra? Oh, come on. Pickled okra? Oh, come on. How many of you know? Jalapenoed okra? Oh my gosh, all of those. And so what would happen is, is I'm just like, so I, I go to the school that I'm going to, and I'm like, what is the deal? And they, oh, your soil is too alkaline, and we got all kinds of problems around here. And what you need is you need to get some chicken manure or some turkey manure, and you need to rototill it in. And when you rototill it in, it will change everything. So I get in my pickup truck, and I drive over to the turkey farm, and there's a, a plantation foods had a turkey farm there and I drive over to the turkey farm and I say I want to get a load of turkey manure and they laughed at me 
And they said, we're not selling you our turkey manure. And I said, what do you mean? They said that turkey's digestive system is so insufficient that we feed them their poop three times. <laughs> okay, look, I don't want to mess up your Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they said, and so, because they just pass all the vitamins. Deep revelation today, huh? That's why you get wild turkeys. <laughs> anyway. But I remember, you know, I could have sat there and I could have complained. I could have said, oh, this is ridiculous. I could have said these people lied. But what, what I had to do is I had to stop and say, you know what I need to do is I need to amend my soil, which will affect my harvest. Realize this, God comes into our life and he says, if you don't like what's growing, you need to amend your soil. The problem is not the seed of my word. The problem is the heart. Amend your heart. Amend it, and it will produce everything that I've promised. It will produce everything that I've, that I've said to you and I've spoken to you. And, you know, realize this. God is into doing something with the soil of our inside thinking, our inside reasoning, our inside responding, and our inside believing. That's what he wants to do. And see, my will will always align with my inside thinking, believing, reasoning, and responding. It will always align with that. And so these nine tests are all things that God affirms in his word over and over again, and they affect if we're going to live in his best. And so we stop and we say, okay, Lord, I'm open. And so today we're in, we're in test number three. And if you were not here previously, I want to encourage you. You can go online, listen to the podcast, go to the YouTube, whatever, and you can watch it. But the first test was the test of small things. The second test, and we covered these in previous weeks, was the motivation test. And today the test is what we're going to call the credibility test. This test proves our reliability and our trustworthiness. I'm gonna say it again. The credibility test, it proves our reliability and our trustworthiness. This test will prove that we maintain integrity, refusing to compromise ethics and morals in pressured circumstances and situations in our life. And God will allow us to go through this test. All of us at one point in our life have gained and lost credibility. Can we all agree with that? Every one of us has gained, we've gained and lost credibility. Maybe you made a mistake and you lost the trust of, of people or someone that was around you, or but then equally is you committed to something and in spite of the pressures to compromise, you kept your word and you gained credibility. You gained credibility when you did it. See, our ability to gain and maintain credibility in our life is what opens the door to opportunity. It opens the doors. And so that when we're credible, it opens the door. And let me just give you an example. When you go to an interview for a job, the very first thing they're looking at is, are you credible? They're looking and they're saying, is this person credible? Is this a credible? And that's the very first test that they're assessing and that they're looking at. 
You know, when you think about credibility, it's a combination of three things. It's number one is what you do. The third, the second thing is it's who you are. And the third thing is how others view you. That's credibility. Credibility is what I do. It's who I am and how others view me. And today in the age of kind of social media, how many of you know what I'm saying? Perception is everything. People go to great lengths to create an image that people like. But when that image doesn't match the reality, there is an implosion. I mean, if there's ever a great example of this is you look in politics today. Everything is about an image. Everything is about a personality. Everything is about, and but then we're gonna see that when you talk about three areas of credibility, it, it there are three areas that we need to pay attention. You know, but what happens if our newsfeed or our social media image is different than our reality is we lose credibility. You know, my brother-in-law, my sister went home to be with the Lord in, um, about three years ago, and he, it was just devastating to him and his family, and it took him a couple of years to where he could even think of dating somebody or, or just meeting somebody, and he wanted to meet somebody and make sure that, that he could talk about my sister because he just, you know, they were in love and it was just, it was, it just devastated him. And so he began to, you know, go on, I don't know which site he went on, but he went on sites and he looked at me and he said, you would absolutely be shocked. I said, what do you mean? He said, the pictures that people post of what they look like and what they actually look like when you meet them. He said, I would get, I would, uh, he said, ahead of time, I would get to the restaurant and he said, I would stand at the door like 30 minutes before, and I would wait to look for them. He said, some of them, I couldn't even recognize they were the same person in the picture. How many of you know what I'm saying? That, that's a credibility thing. It's some, somebody, he, he said he was a Christian, he was committed to the Lord, and they came, and um, he began to talk to them, and they basically said that they were an atheist. And he said, why did you respond? And this woman said, because I like Christian men better than I like the secular men. And so I'm hoping to marry a Christian man, but I'm an atheist. And he's like, oh my gosh, how many of y'all know? He's like, see ya. <laughs> you know, credibility doesn't happen overnight, but it's over a series of moments and decisions in varying degrees of pressure. You know, if you study Jesus' life, he was, he was the love of God personified. He didn't hate anybody, but there were those who hated him. And in particular, it was the religious establishment of his day that hated him. And, it, and I want to look at a statement that his haters made about Jesus that reflects his credibility. In Mark 12, 14, this is the religious group. And it says, they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are truthful and have no personal bias toward anyone for you are not influenced by outward appearance or social status, but in truth, you teach the way of God. And then they go on to talk to him and ask him a, a tax question. Is it lawful to give taxes? 
What an incredible testimony for your haters to say to you. You know what I know about you is you are honest. You are integrous. That you do what you know is the right thing and you're not swayed by anything else. See, God will allow us to get put in situations where our credibility is tested because he wants to promote us. He wants to promote us and he wants to make sure that our credibility can handle it. Do we change under different types of pressure. No one else can earn my credibility. There are there sometimes in our life, people will temporarily loan their credibility to you. They'll recommend you. They'll say to somebody, oh, this is a good person, and they'll recommend you. But it's simply steady, setting the stage for us to prove our own credibility within our life. There's three forms of credibility. The three forms are this. The credibility of competence. This is simply the ability to do something. You have the necessary skills, knowledge, and habits for what you're doing. Oh, I can do that. I can, that's, that is a credibility thing. This form of credibility is competence based on what you can do today. Just because you're competent and credible today, if you don't keep growing, then tomorrow you won't be because time will pass you by. Are you with me? The second type of credibility is credibility of personality. And credibility of personality is people like to be around you. They like to hang with you. You make people feel good when they're around you. There's a pleasing personality, and it's incredibly important when we're establishing credibility with other people in our lives. You know, you might have a skill, but what about your personality? Do people like to be around you? Do they enjoy being around you? I remember that when um, you know, we have four children, and we had two, and Jill was pregnant with Micah, our third, and so we were like, we had the same doctor. We loved him. His name was Dr. Shima. And um, Dr. Shima just, how many of you love doctors that love what they do? He just loved, he would, he would I, I think it was maybe Lish. It was like, like, I don't know, four in the morning. And he just showed up and it looked like he just rolled out of bed. And his hat was crooked and his hair was sticking out. And he comes flying through the room and he's like, let's go, I'm ready. <laughs> it's like, I like this guy. How many of you know what I'm saying? Well, when we had Micah, he told us beforehand, he said, I just want to let you know, you know, his nickname for my wife, he called her Fertile Myrtle. That's what he called her. <laughs> Should I have not said that? Yeah. <laughs> so because when we decided to have kids, it was just bam, 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 bam. We, we had four kids, five and under. Just like we waited for almost four years, but then we had four kids, five and under. And, um, and so we, he said, I just want to let you know. He said, um, I think we're going to be okay, but I'm going to be taking a vacation about the time that you're due. And so he said, there's a chance that you will get my partner in delivery. And we were just like, oh, you know, and he's like, oh, my partner's good, you know. And, we're, and so we were like, okay, well, we're just going to believe the Lord, you know, that it's, it's the, um, Micah's not going to come till later. Well, we ended up, he's on vacation, and Jill goes into labor. And when she goes into labor, you know, we're at the hospital, and we get there, and, and, um, and 
you know, they check her and they're, she, they're like, oh, she's already dilated to five. And, you know, and based on her previous ones, they were, they, so they call the doctor and the doctor comes in and he walks into the room. And when he walks into the room, you could tell he had an attitude. It was like, you have interrupted my evening. That was his attitude. And his attitude was like, let's just get this thing done. Let's get this done. And my wife's in labor and I'm right there. How many of you are with me on this? How many of you know what that look means? He starts getting a little bit rough with my wife and I grabbed him. And I said, chill out, cool down. (laughs) He hollers, I've been defiled, I've been defiled. (laughs) He was competent to do what he was licensed and trained to do, but his personality was pathetic. How many of you are with me on that? And I would just be like, you know what? You are competent to deliver kids, but I would not wish you on my neighbor's dog delivering puppies. How many of you are with me on that? Because of your personality. And so when we came back, we were like, we told Dr. Shima, we were like, your partner's terrible. Your partners, and we, we told him, you know what I'm saying? But it was just like, and, and, and what it is, 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 you know, you think about it. He was competent, but his personality was not competent. You know, I was walking around outside, and um, I found this. <laughs> this is the way the Lord works. I always walk around, and I'm praying. And I look over, and there's this painted rock in the corner. This is kind of a thing, paint a rock and put it, you find it and give it to somebody else. But this rock, it was in the front of the church and it said this, love your neighbor more than you love your own opinion. (laughs) I thought, well, that'll go with my sermon. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, And you know, you think about it. Can people trust my personality to work through issues, to all of those things? Can they trust it? Can they trust it? Number three is this. We're talking about three different types of credibility. The credibility of character. Credible character is the moral strength of our pre-planned course or good intentions in the moment of opposition. I'm going to say it again. Credible character is the moral strength of our pre-planned course or good intentions in the moment of opposition. That's a credible character. There's, there's a temptation to break character and, this, and the circumstances seem to justify it. And the voice of Satan comes and says something like this, oh, nobody will ever know it. Nobody will ever, oh, it's really, it's, it's, it won't hurt. It's really not that big of a deal. Realize this, that God says, excuse me, but I am the one that promotes you and you must have credible character. And, and please don't condemn. I know we've, everybody's made mistakes, but this is huge. Look at what it says in Proverbs 11.3. It says, the integrity and moral courage of the upright will guide them. You know, there's going to be times in where we're in a crucial spot in our life. 
And we're like, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me what to do, to, to direct me, Lord, to give me a word to do something. But what he's wanting you to do is to follow your integrity. God says the integrity of the upright will guide them. God will lead us through the right thing. He will lead us through integrity. He will lead us. Sometimes it's just simply keeping our mouth shut when we need to keep our mouth shut. How many of you know what I'm saying. Sometimes it's just simply saying, you know what? This is really, really easy. I could just kind of let this slide. And, and please understand, God doesn't look at us and be like, oh, you failed. You got, God will just set up another one and set up another one and set up another one. And he, what he's wanting us to do is to develop our integrity within our life. Look at Proverbs 27. It says the godly walk with integrity. And then look at what happens. Blessed are their children who follow them. One of the greatest blessings we can leave our children is an example of integrity. It's one of the greatest blessings that we can leave them. It's one of the greatest legacies, leaving our children with a moral compass to do the right thing even when it's hard. This doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. And I want to be clear, we're human. We make mistakes. But after we make a mistake, how do we handle that mistake? How do we handle, do we stop and say, you know what, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, and we back up and we say, I need to make this right. That is, that is credible integrity. That is something that God says, you know what, you know, you made a mistake, but you learned way more coming out of it. And, and what it is, is it opens us up to promotion. I want to, if I could, oh man. I got a doggy bag moment. They're coming up. How many of you know a doggy bag moment? Doggy bag moment is stuff you can take with you. It's stuff you can just stop. Number one is this, is what steps can I take right now to improve my credibility when it comes to my competence, my personality, or my character? What steps could I prove, do right now? I mean, I'm just going to I'll just throw one out there, you know? Maybe your personality, you get just a little barbed. How many of you know what I'm saying? People hit your buttons, and you know what I'm saying? God's like, let's just take that away. Let's just, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. How many of you have people, no, don't lift your hand. And don't look at anybody when I say this. Okay, you have people in your life that have the ability to hit your buttons. How many of you know what I'm saying? God's like, let's right now begin to grow in a credible personality. And don't blame, just stop. How many, maybe it's, you know, your competence. Okay, I need to be more competent. I need to be more studied. I need to be more disciplined. I need to be more sharp. Maybe it's in regard to your character, whatever it is. Number two, you know, and when you think about it, if I'll focus on credibility, God will give me lasting influence in my life. Because credible people have influence. That's what they have. They have, they have lasting influence in our life. Number two is this. Ask God to reveal to you any blind spots or areas that you might be in denial over. Sometimes they're just blind spots. We didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, someone says to me, it came and, how many, you know, when you're a pastor, you get to meet lots of different people. And this person was salty. How many of you know what I'm saying, salty? 
they would just be like, they were just kind of blunt and crass and whatever, whatever. And they said to me, that's just the Irish in me. No, don't be blaming all Irish people for that level of stupidity. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm just Irish. No, 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 no. It's saying, God, I'm a Christian. And Lord, if I right now, maybe I don't see it. Lord, maybe I'm in denial over it. I'm open to you. Number three is this. Write down what he shows you in regard to confidence, personality, or character, and do a Bible study on it. Do a Bible study on that particular. You say, what do you mean? Just Life Bible app? You can just go and just Bible study and just look it up and just say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to click over here, a, a, a Bible study on that particular thing. Just do a word study in the Life Bible app. And the last one is this. Are you all tracking with me? Lasting improvement only happens when we do what we've learned. That's the only way it happens. It's not learning it, it's doing it. Let me just tell you right now, I just did the easy part. I just stood up here and taught it. I just stood up here and talked about it. I just stood up here. But now the hard part is saying, okay, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord, because I got a dirt road. And I realize that you are not a withholder, that you are a good God that wants to bless me. But what you're doing right now is you're allowing me to go through the credibility test because you love me and you care about me and you want to make sure that I don't implode under the weight of your blessing. But I'm able to actually not only stand up, but represent you. And my heart doesn't go into the blessing, but it stays into the blessor. Are you with me today? Stand to your feet if you would. Everybody still with me today? I think in our lives sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of a scripture in Titus chapter 2. And in case you didn't know this, um, Titus and First and Second Timothy are what are classified as pastoral epistles. Meaning Paul wrote them to pastors on how to lead the church. I'm shocked at some of the things that it says in there. Like in Titus chapter 2, Paul wrote to Titus, who was the pastor, and he told him what to preach on in church. He said, I want you to preach on this, Titus. And he said, this is what he told him in Titus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, I want you to preach and to teach on right living, which is what identifies true Christians. The King James calls it sound doctrine. But he said, you preach on living right and people will experience God's favor, God's presence over their life. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. God, all of us today are always going through things, facing things. Some of them we, we understand. Lord, some of it we don't. But Lord, what you're doing is you're wanting to deepen our credibility. And so you, you will lead us through times in our life where our credibility is tested because you're wanting the root system to go deeper than it's ever been before. 
Lord, I realize that as I'm standing up here, that there are those that are in this room that have had dreams and aspirations in their lives. But Lord, this one thing right here has held them back. Lord, I pray the power of your Holy Spirit, the strength and the encouragement of your Holy Spirit into their lives. That you're the God of new beginnings and fresh starts. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Right where you're at. God is drawing you. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift a hand to heaven as an outward sign of something that's happening in your heart. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. God, you're so good. So good, Lord. I want to lead us all in this prayer. All of us say this. Jesus, thank you. We need you. So grateful for your sacrifice to pay for our sins. Lord, we're asking you, forgive us of our mistakes in going our way. We need you. We're asking you, come into our life. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Right now, I go all in. In Jesus' name, amen.